the death of George Floyd and the trial of Derek Chauvin. That's what we're going to talk about on today's edition of I Hear Ya. Hi, Alex McFarland with Reverend Odell Cleveland. And Odell, it's good to be with you in the studio. By the way, folks, as we get into this conversation, very serious subject that we want to adequately discuss today. But I want to encourage you to follow us. Uh, I hear you. That's I hear you. Y a dot show. And some of the platforms, it's a, a free download. This podcast, others, you need to follow us or subscribe. So let me encourage you to do that and just stay tuned to the content that uh, we feel very passionate about creating. And also there's uh, dog tags, coffee mugs and swag and things like that. Uh, but I, I don't want to talk about that so much right now. Odell, first of all, let me say it's great to see you. I've been on the road. You've been very busy. We both keep a, a pretty full schedule, but it's great to be back with you, brother. Same to see you, Alex. You know, it's interesting when you see the verdict come in and you think about, I thought about my good friend, Alex, it's like how many other good friends who are white and black going to have problems around the proverbial water cooler on stuff like this? Yeah. Well, you know, I, I'm sure there's probably more thinking going on than talking. I would say that probably a lot of people don't feel the liberty you and I have to really speak our mind about things like this. But, you know, a year ago, the world watched in horror as a man gasping for air died. And I want to talk about the trial and the verdict. But but let me say this. In the Bible, uh, Jesus said, uh, go the extra mile. You know, if someone asks for your your coat, give them your your shirt also. Go the extra mile. Mm-hmm. Part of this thing, regardless, uh, you know, I mean, early on, people were saying, well, here's a police officer trying to do his duty. Uh, George Floyd had some various blemishes on his record. Forget all that for a minute. Um, me as a Christian and me as a citizen, and, and I'm probably getting ahead of ourselves in the conversation. Uh, a man that's gasping for air, begging for his life. Everything else is pushed aside. That um, I still can't see that film footage without hurting in my heart. Because as a Christian and as an American, we believe life is sacred. And nobody, nobody in a free America should have to beg, please, Please don't kill me. Please spare my life. So I think part of the legacy of this that will never be forgotten. I mean, right or wrong, uh, a man, but a man begging a peace officer, please get off of my neck and let me live. That's something America should never have to process. You know, Alex, I just want to first say thank you for giving me a gift, but also giving our listening audience a gift where they can process this, process it from no other way than just being a fly on the wall in our conversations. You know, I have to give a shout out to one of our super fans, Susan Orloff, Susan Orloff, our super fan. And Susan, I know you hear me. I hear you, Susan. I feel your love. So thank you for always encouraging us from Facebook to anything. So we just want to say thank you. Thank you. Now, Alex, from the fact that a lot of individuals can't even think about having this conversation with someone and we're going to have a very in-depth conversation. And I agree with you, my friend, that we sit there and I thought about it. What happens if the verdict is one way or another? 
would that change my relationship with Alex? Would that change Alex's relationship with me? Would that change our listeners' relationship with each other? Because someone like myself who spent most of my adult life trying to find common ground, trying to say that, hey, it's not everybody, it's not all, it's not every white person, it's not every black person. We talk so much here about race, bias, prejudice, and we know that it's not everyone. So help me understand, Alex, help the listener audience understand, how, how did you feel? How did you feel when the, where were you? How did you feel when the verdict was read? And then I can share with you how I felt. Um, I was actually in an airport uh, coming back from a speaking trip from last week from Ohio to Colorado, headed back to uh, our home state of North Carolina, where you and I both live. And, and I, I've got to be honest, and, and I've had a few listeners email me and they're like, well, Alex... Um, you don't always say what I expect you to say. <laughs> mm. And I don't know if that's uh, a good thing or a bad thing. But I mean, on the one hand, I'm a passionate, I hope, a consistent defender of human life, regardless of ethnicity. But at the same time, I, I support uh, our law enforcement. And I, I know tons of first responders that for not a lot of money, they do put their life on the line to keep the peace and to serve others. And for, for any of the law enforcement officers that protect and serve, and I think that is, I do think that's the majority that are in it to protect and serve. Uh, I respect that badge and I thank God for the men and women that are in law enforcement. Yet at the same time, when people abuse power and, and they let their bias and their emotion shape how they carry out their job, I'm going to call that out, too, as I hope someone would, would on me. But I have to say this, and we can we can go there. Um, I remember the Rodney King verdict many years ago. I remember the Black Lives Matter riots of the summer of 2020. And i got to tell you, I'm in this airport in uh, Dallas-Fort Worth changing planes, and I, I was nervous because I thought if the verdict doesn't go the way Probably a lot of Americans want it to go. There's going to be hell to pay. Mm. Um, President Biden talked about, quote, the right verdict. Mm -hmm. And and I know yet another subject is the comments of Maxine Waters and Joe Biden. But here's one thing that that I would say, uh, Odell, I, I, I get it to the degree that a Caucasian male can get it. I get that black America has felt oppression, being marginalized, being exploited, present and past. I get that. But at the same time, the, the way, there's this whole saying, two wrongs don't make a right. Mm -hmm. The way to get justice in America is not rioting and vandalism. And I was very much on edge because had Derek Chauvin been acquitted, first of all, I think that would have been a miscarriage of justice because I think he's a guilty man. But had he been acquitted, I think we all know there would have been riots in the streets. And and I don't think that's right either. Gotcha. And thank you for your honest assessment. I was at home. I got home and I was, um, you know, doing the transition from work, busy work schedule to trying to be present. You know, my wife's working from home now, so I wanted to make sure that I didn't, you know, Welcome to honey. How you doing? What kind of day you had? Is there anything I can do to help? Blase, blase. She said, no, no, everything's fine. And so I go, what I knew to do, grab the remote control. I think most men grab the remote, 
remote hmm. control. Yes. And I turned it we on, do. but I didn't turn it on to Fox. I turned it into 34 CNC, CNC, you know, so it's almost like, where do I look? And sometimes I go back and forth, you know, to Fox, CNBC, and sometimes it's like the same subject matter. And it's like, I'm looking at it from two different, totally different worlds. So when I looked at it and I'm like, wow, when they said he was guilty on all three charges, I was excited, but not excited. I'm an old guy. I'm 61. Hopefully next week I'll be 61 years old. You're just in your prime. Uh, prime of what, though? You know, <laughs> that's the key. Prime of what? You know, I know I'm a good looking black guy, but prime, I don't know, Alex. But let me say this. I, I, I felt like I'm relieved, some sense of vindication, but also saddened yeah. in the fact that what would have happened? And I'm with you. I'm with you because I am a big supporter of law enforcement. I don't believe in defunding the police. I do believe in the fact that we have a great opportunity to refocus, reframe, reevaluate some of law enforcement because I do believe law enforcement is bent more toward um, brutalizing, my words, not yours, the African-American community versus other communities, they don't react the same. I've been in so many different circles where I'm blessed, you know, Alex, to be poor. Grew up just dirt poor, uh, played sports, got involved with some other things. And I've been in the room with rich white Republicans who look at things a certain way. I've been in a room with rich white Democrats who look at things a certain way. I've been in rooms with rich black Republicans, rich black Democrats, poor people, Republican and Democrats. And let me tell you something I found, in, which is interesting. In some of the very left, 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 white, I call it wine drinking, brie eating uh, progressives, they are as prejudiced in some ways as what I find the good old boys and the pickup truck, us going hunting and everything else. So I've seen it both ways. Yeah. Because years ago, and I'm going somewhere, audience, just hang with me. But years ago, I endorsed a Republican for Congress. And I got so much flack from my left, left, left side of it that it was almost like stifling. Why is Odell doing that? Someone need to pull him in line. He's he doesn't understand. Stupid Odell. So I, I got all that playing in my head when the verdict was done. And I'm saying to myself, hmm, this is good, but this is not it. Mm -hmm. Because someone, some family who's been brutalized by law enforcement, assaulted by law enforcement, I feel somewhat different. Because I almost, in my mind, lost my two sons and possibly my nephew in my front yard because of law enforcement's perceived bias, prejudice, prejudice and bigotry. And the thing I go back to, what was Officer Chauvin's mm -hmm. motive? When you sit there, Alex, and I looked at him and I looked for the whole time, the first footage, you could just look at him and it remind me of... Uh, animalistic instinct that when a prey catches, when an animal catches its prey, usually it doesn't eat it and kill it. It just sits there first and just look around and almost like a sense of I did it. And as a child, I thought maybe because it was tired, ran behind it, caught it. But then it's like something about it. And when you looked in his eyes, when his knees was right there 
on George Floyd's neck. And it's like the crowd was telling him, okay, you got him. You got him. Let him go. Let him go. And it's almost like, and I don't know his motives. Yeah. I don't know if he knows his motives, but somebody has to know. It's almost like you all ain't going to tell me what to do. I'm, I'm in charge here. I'm in charge. And by God, I'll move when I get ready to move. Yeah. And it's like, that's, that's the scary part. Because I think a lot of cases, that badge, the whole thing on qualified immunity, the whole policeman bill of, excuse me, bill of rights, all that makes sense. But Alice, something happened, man. He didn't snap, but he might have snapped mentally. Yeah. What do you think? What do you think happened? Because in another case, and I looked at his eyes when they were reading the verdict and what I saw was it the same that I saw when he had his knee on his neck? And I didn't feel sorry for him, but I felt I felt compassion for both men because unintended consequences are consequences. Yeah. And I don't think George Floyd got up that morning with the expectation that he was die. And I don't think that Derek Chauvin got up that morning with the expectation that he would murder someone and destroy his life. Exactly. Exactly. And do you know what? Uh, well said. Uh, a great great, um, great few moments of communication, Odell. This gets back to, and I know I sound like a broken record. This is why we have to teach morals in America. Because you're right, Derek Chauvin didn't get up that morning and say, hey, before sundown today, I'm, I'm taking somebody out. Um, but there are, and on, only God knows a man's heart. Nobody knows a man's heart. But let me say, things coalesce um, maybe anger that's not been dealt with and maybe people feel powerless. And then when they get an opportunity to get a little bit of power, they exploit that. I mean, we've all probably had bosses that have what we used to call little man syndrome. And, you know, boy, you give you give somebody a little bit of power and they'll they'll swing it like a billy club or something like that. Mm-hmm. And, and again, I, I think that's. uh most law enforcement officers probably go into it because it's it's a noble career. I mean, good law enforcement, just like serving in the branches of the military, um, being a first responder, it, it is a noble career. Odell, let me just parenthetically insert this. About two years ago, I was in uh, Georgia. Alice, what parenthetically mean? You know, I grew up in the 60s in public housing, the miseducation of the black man. Uh, well, what's that big word mean? Um, hey, did you reference the Lauren Hill album, The Miseducation of Lauren Hill? Uh, great album, by the way. Parenthetically, let me just insert this little thought. <laughs> Parentheses, you know what I mean? But I, I was in Georgia two years ago. There was a big men's conference, and there was like, I don't know, 5,000 people there. And a man came up for prayer. It was a big Christian thing. And I said, what do you do? He said, well, I'm with the Highway Patrol. He said, this might sound like a strange prayer request. He said, we just don't have young people wanting to go into the Highway Patrol. And he said, the best patrolmen, uh, they love the Lord. And he said, I'm praying that we get some young people that would view public service as a career. Now, I'm, I'm, I don't mean to get us off topic, but law enforcement in its best form is a noble career. Mm-hmm. And we do applaud mm-hmm. the people mm-hmm. that, that mm-hmm. do that. But Derek Chauvin, what what all came together in his head the day that his eyes looked like a wild animal? I, I, I don't even know. Only God knows. But I'm, I'm saying this. From childhood up, 
we have to teach people the value of human life. And even because let me say this, the word of God talks about structures that are the teacher that fails you on a quiz. Believe it or not, is showing you an act of love. The law enforcement officer that gives you a warning and says, young man, you better slow it down. That's that's not the bad guy. Actually, the things that build our character and help rein us in are good for us. Now, Derek Chauvin, sadly, he um, he was out of control. And and the, the sad thing, while I was glad of the verdict, I mean, if if indeed justice was served, and it seems like it was, that three charges, three guilty verdicts, because from this man's vantage point, it looked guilty, guilty, guilty. But nobody, nobody really wins. A man, a man is still dead. A country is still divided. People are still, I, I mean, I would imagine black people in the inner city are afraid. And so the sad thing is, let me say this and I'll throw it back to you. At this point, there is no victory. However, I would say to people, um, Please don't fight injustice with injustice. Allow the wheels of truth and justice to continue to turn. And and I do think that guilty verdict, hopefully, and the time he sits in a prison cell, maybe the Holy Spirit will work on his soul and he'll turn to God. Sadly, his life is ruined. But I pray this can be one more little small step toward an America that is just and is peaceable and godly. You know, it's interesting. Um, my prayer is the same. I think that rioting, vandalism is not a good thing. I believe that peaceful protest is great. I hope that peaceful protests by individuals continue. Black Lives Matter. I believe Black Lives Matter is one of the best movements that's happened in a long time. But also, I understand that every person who has a Black Lives Matter sign in their yard, some of them don't even know black people. So some of it is a farce. Some of, some it, is of a it is, is uh, white guilt trying to exactly, exactly. assuage but, but, themselves. Yeah, exactly. But you know, it's interesting that when you think about it, I remember I was purchasing a car uh, probably about four, four, four or five months ago, good friend of mine, um, car dealership, played college ball with me. And I purchased a car. It's a 19, no, 2019 Ford Expedition. Cool. And I remember him asking me the question, hey, Cleve, that's what they call me, Cleve. Hey, do you want the front windows tinted? Simple question. And I said, Ooh, wait a minute. It's almost like, wait a minute. The front windows tinted is a invitation that when I'm riding between here and Charleston, South Carolina, taking care of my mother at night for law enforcement to stop me because, well, your windows are too dark. Who's inside the car? And when they come up and stop me, they can't see inside the vehicle. So if you can't see inside the vehicle and you notice that it's a black guy, good looking black guy in driving the vehicle, how do they approach the vehicle? I mean, and you're like, oh, now what are you talking about? Let me tell you what I'm talking about, because those are the type of thoughts that black folks have to have because you're going to get. the. I would assume you're going to get the benefit of the doubt, Alex, if you get pulled over. 
Do you know? I, I got. I'm, I'm going to tell you something that will blow your mind. Blow you know? my mind, Alex. Blow my mind. Go finish. Go ahead and finish. Because at the end of the day, the decision to get those dark tenant legally windows tenant. I went on and did it, and I remember doing it and said, okay. And three months later, I was driving through the church parking lot, and a good friend of mine who happened to be our IT guy stopped me and said, Odell, black guys, two black guys there said, Odell, you got the Windows tenant? And didn't know anything about my process, but black men know that, hey, you got those windows tinted. You know what that means, right? You know that you're inviting the police officer to give them a reason. Give them a reason to stop you. Give them a reason to interrogate you. Give them a reason. It's like, just give them a reason. And as black people, we're like, don't give the police a reason. Don't give law enforcement a reason. Don't give the high patrol a reason because the day I come into contact with law enforcement. That's not a good day for me. you like, but, but Odell, how about if something happens and you have to call law enforcement? That's still not a good day because that means something happened. And if I happen to get stopped on my way rushing over here to the studio, coming down the interstate, you saw them out there if you came the same oh, way. Yeah. Law enforcement's everywhere. And I'm like, oh my God, not today. I don't feel like this today. I don't feel like them stopping me today. I don't feel like going through all the extra stuff today. I don't have to feel like proving that this is my vehicle today. Not today, law enforcement. Not today. Oh, man. Well, you know what? Hey, I don't want to get us off track. Is I was no, in, no, we on track. We I was on in track Buffalo, because New York. he got pulled out of a car. He got pulled. George Floyd got pulled out of a car. Alex pulled out of a car. Let me say this: anybody listening to the show, you know, I'm very conservative. I'm very conservative. I, but I try not to be conservative. I try to be a man that just goes wherever truth leads. What you just said answers a lot of questions. Okay, I was in Buffalo, New York, probably seven or eight years ago. And I love cars. I'm so into cars. So there was a Cadillac dealership across from my hotel. There was a Chrysler 300, only at 9,000 miles. I called my wife and I said, do you care if I buy a car and I'm going to drive home? And we were kind of looking for a car. Anyway, I'm in Buffalo, New York. I buy a Chrysler 300. It only had 9,000 miles and I drive it home. One of the best cars I ever had. I can't believe what you just said comes so clear. Okay, it had really... Really, really tinted windows. Oh, Alex said, you got stopped, man. That's a black person car. You had to be black. Law enforcement had to see you as black. Don't tell me you had rims, Alex. It, Don't tell me you had rims on them now. It, well, it had whatever factory. I mean, this was a nice car. It was a very, very nice car. Maybe the best car I ever had, actually. Price of 300, folks. Check it out. Anyway, I got pulled all the time. And I don't speed because I like, I haven't had a speeding ticket since I was about 25. Because I don't like to pay high interest. I was forever getting, I could never understand why I was always getting pulled. I never got a ticket. I bet I got pulled repeatedly because it had tinted windows. Do you think? Think so? Think so, brother? Do you think so, brother? Isn't this cr- Do you think no, so, see, brother? On, I hear you. We, we discover truth. We find stuff out here. Anyway. Back on track. Now I know why I was always getting pulled over in my Chrysler 300 with tinted windows. What example? What 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 explanation they gave you when you roll the window down? When you when see see that's the key. 
When you roll that window down and he looks at you and you're sitting there, we're trained, put your hands on the steering wheel. Yes, sir, officer, how can I help you? You probably say something like, yo, man, what's going on? I mean, not trying to be funny. Uh, yeah, but right. what, I was you, like, um, well, uh, a term to them would say, are you wearing your seatbelt? We're checking oh, to see if on, you're wearing your seatbelt. Come on, Alex. Come Seriously? on, man. Are like, you serious? Yeah. That's what they said to you? Yeah. Sir, are you wearing your seatbelts? And he said, I couldn't see if you had your seatbelt. Oh, on. come on. And I was like, I don't think I was speeding. I wasn't speeding, was it? And they would look and see if my tag was expired or whatever like that. Now, I never got a ticket. But that car, uh the tinted windows had to be why I was habitually getting pulled over. I mean, I owned this car probably seven or eight years. I know I got pulled over 10 times in that car. And when you got rid of the car, how many times, my good brother, <laughs> have you gotten pulled over since? Zero. You understand. Back to what I'm saying. It's a bad day when a black man come in contact with law enforcement. Let me tell you why. They have this thing called a badge. What, what protects them against anything. And back in the days, all they had to say is, I fear for my life. The second thing is they have something called a gun. They have a gun and they have authority. And when you sat there and look at this young man begging for his life, begging for his mother. OK, fine. Uh, they said, well, and it was interesting watching the trial. Well, he had um, this in his body, that in his body. Um, what's what's the thing that everybody uses now? Um What's the name of the drug, Alex? What's this called? Like uh, fentanyl or something? Yeah, but it's, it's uh, uh, the stuff that they start making illegal and then they start giving a lot of money to it. Uh, coat. Oxycodone. Oxycodone. Uh, oxycodone or something like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. All that kind of Oxycontin, I think it was. Okay. And, and now all of a sudden, every not everybody uses it. I'm not saying that audience, but I'm just saying how many people are addicted to these pain medications? Oh, tons. And I remember that when it was, well, I won't go there. Let me be quiet. Go ahead, Alex, then I'm coming well, back. My wife is a nurse, and she says just one of the things, one of the heartbreaks of the medical industry is people that are drug seekers, that are that get addicted to prescription drugs and things like that. But let, let me say this. On the one hand, I, I said I believe a part of our solution is to teach morals to people. Um, the restoration of the family and I realized, you know, one of my heroes was Jackie Robinson. Growing up, I studied Jackie Robinson just in depth. Oddly enough, I mean, by the time I was 20, I had probably read eight or nine books on Jackie Robinson. Why? Why Jackie Robinson? Why? Well, for one thing, I love baseball. Okay. Uh, Were you I, any good? Were you uh, any good? I, I was all right. What you position? Know, I played outfield and I played first base. Okay. And, all um, right. You know what? To be kind of uh, short I was I was okay, but um, the Brooklyn Dodgers moved and they became the LA Dodgers. And I read Branch Rickey was a Christian. He's the man that integrated baseball. And I really honestly don't know why, but I was really fascinated with Jackie Robinson. But Branch Rickey and everybody said to him, "Look, they're gonna they're gonna try to break you. You cannot allow yourself to break. They're gonna call you bad names." probably running the bet and and it was it who's the they who's the they oh even white players that were on the brooklyn dodgers but eventually see jackie robinson playing in the major leagues first african-american playing the major leagues he got the respect first of all because he was a first-rate athlete but really even more importantly 
when he was trying to run the bases and they intentionally tripped him, uh-huh. he would pick himself up and keep running. And they tried to make him fight. They tried to break him. And he was as solid as a rock. And eventually they respected him. Now, okay. here's what I would say. Because um, I can't wait to get in. I'm like, put me in, coach. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, we, we've got to tell young people that the answer is not to disrespect authority and dig the hole that we're in deeper. Um, live and act and carry yourself in such a way that even if a rogue cop did come along, um, he's not going to be able to touch you because you're a person of character, composure, and you're not going to be broken. Alice, you know what? Love you enough. That's the, uh, how can I say this in a nice way? Because I love you. Very that's naive. The, that's, the, that's the dumbest uh, thing, not you, words from a black man. That's the dumbest things that hit my ears in a long time. Let me explain. Okay. Not you, not you. I'm, I'm not attacking you. Fair I'm enough. attacking the situation. Because what white people say, and some black, but we were on... Um, CBN the other day, Christian Broadcast Network. We were on there. Uh, The gentleman who interviewed us did a great job. But he asked me a question and he says, Odell, why are you all, you all, I'm assuming black folk, trying to make George Floyd into a Martin Luther King Jr.? You remember that question when he asked me that? I remember that. Yeah. And I'm like, hmm. No, we're not. Da, 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 and I explained the situation. But later on, you know, later on, I thought about it. Alice, the white people see it as like George Floyd wasn't worth the effort. Was George Floyd a thug, a black person? What's the big fuss? So what? A black guy got killed. He had uh, opioids. That's the word I was thinking about. Oh, Alice, you got on your octopus socks today. Oh, 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 Alex, you got on your octopus socks. But in was jo- they in person? Was George Floyd a thug that life didn't matter? And his white people confused, saying if he was an outstanding black person, a good black person, the type of black person that white people like, then we might have had some passion. And that meant that they didn't see. George Floyd's humanity, because in their mind, he was a certain type of black person. And if that's the case, that's the problem, because how do you determine one humanity based on one social class or something like that? Because one of the things that got me in a lot of controversy is years ago, I was at one of these um, brie cheese eating, wine sipping organizations the, the uh, doing the speech. Exactly. And all of a sudden, my wife and myself were going to be the keynote speakers. And we purposely said, we have a platform and we're going to use this platform to bring light to black men, black boys getting abused by law enforcement, knowing quite well, Alice, because this is the process, just like the process I went through with those tinted windows. This is the process me and my wife sat in our bedroom and thought about, Okay, once we say this, a lot of social things, we won't get invited to anymore. The country club dinners and all this kind of stuff. No more. Okay, financially, you know, a lot of consulting things you do, Odell, you're not going to get it anymore. So we knew that. And we took that and still with that same platform. Okay, when you say law enforcement, I had a contract with the police at the time. I was doing this TV show, everything else. Knew that was going to get shut down. And it did. 
But you have to consciously, because let me tell you what happened. Let me, let me just tell you how it works, Alex, in Odell's opinion. And then I need you to come back and say, Odell, what you just said is the dumbest thing that hit my ears in the last five minutes, which is fair. Because I love you and we can call each other's word dumb, not each other. And we say to listen, audience, when you talk about these tough situations, it might sound dumb to your ears, but it's not the person. Don't take it on the person, take it on the words. So when you sit there and say, okay, imagine that it's a snow globe. And you got the right over here and the left over here. And they're standing above because a lot of times people felt that George Floyd was the kind of black person that they were above. And that's just not white people. I understand a lot of black people get uncomfortable when situations like this happen. And then they have to be in their circles with their ritzy or white friends. It's like, oh, my God, what's going to happen? So now imagine it's a snow globe. And you're outside above the snow globe. And you shake the globe, right? And all the little snow comes up and stuff like that. George Floyd, um, the law, the law person, Derek Chauvin, I want to make sure I pronounce the name right, mm. is inside the globe. It's all mixed up. You talk about rioting and all this. And, and I think the type of rioting you're talking about and vandalism and disrespecting for law enforcement. You, mm. you talk about that, right? Yeah. All that's going inside the globe. That's the little stuff going there. Kind of like on January the 6th. Yeah. I saw rioting. I saw disrespecting of law enforcement. I think that's what we saw. So that's what you're talking about, right? The same type of things, right? Yeah. One was white. One was black. Are you saying yes or no? You're shaking your head. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. Rioting is wrong. Rioting and rioting is wrong. So January the 6th is rioting because what you did, you associated with Black Lives Matter. I don't think it was Black Lives Matter on January the 6th, but I digress. So let me go back to saying, okay, if they're there and that's what's going on. So my wine folk and brie eating folk way on the left, along with my good old boy folk drinking a beer and eating whatever they did on the back of a pickup truck way on the right. See, those individuals can go back to the country club together and have a disagreement, but they have more in common because they're way up here. Now, what happens when Odell says, hey, what are y'all doing? So I come outside the globe because I came from the public housing. I came from projects. I come outside the snow globe up there with them and sit and say, what y'all looking at? What are y'all saying? And they're like, well, we're looking at those people. Well, I'm those people, Alex. I'm those people. They're looking at me. They're looking at black people getting killed. They're looking at poverty. They're looking at police abusing. They're looking at black people killing black people because it's not just law enforcement kill black people. Black people kill black people. They're looking at white people strung out on opioids who's having a fit right now because COVID said you can't move away around the way you like to. All that's going on inside the snow globe. And some people think they're above all that. They think they're above that because they have white friends, black friends, Jewish friends, this friends. They got money. They don't have money. They're above all that. And then other people think they're beneath all that. So now nobody's above it. And it's a, it's a stench going into the nostrils of God. So now when we deal with all this, how do we deal with it? Because Odell come up and like, what you looking at? What you talking about? Well, we're looking at you. Black man, we're talking about you, black man. So that's what they're talking about. That's what they're looking like. And you and I, my brother in Christ, my brother hmm. in Christ, can sit here, Alex, and have a civil conversation to help other people pull this thing apart, help them exercise their thoughts, let them know that what they're thinking is not right or wrong. Because what I love here, 
and I'm getting ready to throw it to you, my friend, is that you're not trying to straighten me out. I'm not trying to straighten you out. But we're saying, why keep shaking up the snow globe? Some people stir it. Some people shake it. And we're shaking it up with prejudice, bias, racism. We're doing all that stuff. And, and, and I love the fact that we could talk about it, Alex, because it's hard to talk about. It's emotionally charged. And brother, I love you and I appreciate you having these conversations because I know you get pushback from your friends and your supporters because I get pushback too. But I'll be bound and determined, Alex, that I will not be deterred. Amen. Amen. Hey, I want to read a quote and, and talk about this. John Adams uh, he was the first vice president. He was uh, the second U.S. president. He signed the Declaration of Independence. Uh, John Adams appointed John Jay as the first ever chief justice of the Supreme Court. And uh, anyway, he said this, and I want to ask the question, um, how important is it that we promote morality? And then I'm going to come back to what uh, you said was, you know, stupid words. But listen to this. John Adams He said, quote, we have no government armed with the power capable of contending with human passions unbridled by morals and religion. And he goes on and he talks about ambition, revenge. Human emotions would, quote, break the strongest cords of our Constitution as a whale goes through a net. Our Constitution was made for a moral and religious people. It is wholly inadequate to the government of any other. The word in that quote, I think about the word unbridled. Derek Chauvin was unhinged, unbridled. Um, Probably a life of anger, prejudice, God knows what, all came down to a point. The world saw that point. It was George Floyd's neck, sadly. Now, some might have thought, like you said, and and I hope not. Some people might have said, some, some guy from the hood deserves it. I hope they didn't think that because, listen, whether or not somebody has a police record, because as a human, they deserve due process. Somebody could be a falsely accused innocent citizen. Somebody could be as guilty as it gets. But part of our declaration says that all people are endowed by their creator with life, liberty, rights. So every human being deserves due process, equal protection before the law. Now, back to where I would say, and and again, hey, I'm a guy that has not walked in your shoes. So I'll be the first to admit, I don't fully get it. But as much as I can get it, I I would have to believe that Dr. King's perspective of peaceful nonviolence. And I mean, like I read, if you were going to march with Dr. King, you had to agree to a certain set of commitments. And, And he said, I will not return evil for evil. And so, Odell, as, as naive as this might sound, let's tell a, a, a young generation, um, love God, love your family, um, live right, say your prayers, and don't return evil for evil. And I'm, I'm not saying it's going to fix things overnight, but over the long pull, we have got to be a moral people. And, and I honestly believe the solid ground you can call it the, the Judeo-Christian worldview, Exodus 20. You can call it um, the Decalogue. But we've got to rediscover moral truth and our accountability to God. And I think that's the long-term solution. Thank you, sir. Chauvin could receive up to 40 years in prison for second-degree murder. 
up to 25 years for third-degree murder and up to 10 years for manslaughter. Minnesota sentencing guidelines recommend about 12.5 years in prison for each murder charge and about four years for the manslaughter charge. In this case, the state has asked for tougher sentences than the recommendation provides. We'll find out in a couple of weeks, my friend. Alex, thank you. Um, I hear you. I hear you, Adele. And we would love to hear feedback from the listeners. And, uh, you know, you can go to I hear you. That's with a Y-A, I hear you dot show. Uh, we would love uh, any feedback you might care to share. And we do thank everybody for listening, don't we? Amen. Thank you, Alex, for just having these tough conversations, man, because, hey, I couldn't do it without you. Bless you, my friend. Bless you.